At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. It's the fighting that hurts the children the most, more so than the separation. And I really took that one as law for me. Like they, they will not see us fight ever. And part of that was this, the same message that I told Joanna back in the beginning, like, I'm always going to take the high road. And in my mind, it takes two to tango. It takes two to fight and, and I won't do it. And I'm, I'm going to always be respectful and kind and as loving as I can. And if I can't be, I be, I will do my best to sort of be silent or kind of exit <laughs> because it's it, that, that to me was critical. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real-life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. Welcome back to another episode of Voices of Celebration. Today I have a former client with me, Veronica, who's about two and a half years post-divorce. Veronica, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to share. I'd like to start out these uh, chats just giving our listeners a little bit of context. Um, as to what led you down the divorce journey. Would you be willing to share that? Sure. Um, Let's see. I was with my wife um, for 17 years. We, We dated for about four. And uh, so we were married 13. I would say that we... We went to quite a lot of couples therapy. I think we recognized that there were ways um, that we struggled and we really tried to address them for years and years and years. I think that in the end, I was the one that had the courage to make a change and I think even to this day, maybe she 
would have stuck it out, but I felt that we had tried everything to change some systemic problems that really weren't able to be changed in my mind. So uh, that is really why I started reading a lot of books and listening to podcasts and then found my way to you and really from there was able to start the process, I guess. Yeah. And um, I know you have two children and I'm wondering if you could share just entering that, like making that huge decision. And we all know how um, painstaking it is to even make that decision, especially when there are children involved. What were some of your, what were some of the main concerns or fears as you, as you entered the process? Um, So I guess I had this giant conversation in my head for months and months and months. And, and really it was probably in, in my head in a subconscious way for years. Um, but when it pushed itself through to my consciousness and I would be watching my kids eat breakfast and having a little chat over Cheerios, and I would say to myself, like, it felt like a gut punch, like, ah, oh, there are going to be mornings that they're having this very cute, adorable, interesting conversation, not in front of me. And I won't be able to witness it. And that made me feel so sad that, and 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 that's to sort of answer your question, the fear for me was really missing time with my children. And if I would feel sad all the time, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, that, that probably that was the main thing that was holding me back all this time. Yeah, and I think so many of our listeners can, um, can relate to that. I know for me too, it was as much as I had money concerns, the, the whole concept of not, after you're so used to waking up with your kids every day and having them in your life on a daily basis, that that's, that's one of the biggest shifts. Yeah, it's the biggest, it's the kicker, right? You, yeah. you've, you've chosen a partner and it's not working out, but now you have to give up time with these adorable little rugrats and it, it it really is the the main hurdle I think for 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 me it definitely was and I'd say for most people it really is it seems and so one of the things I remember Veronica is how um, consciously you walked that path and I, I do recall that that um, there the the other big concern I recall you raising in the beginning was just navigating um, your partner's reactions and doing it as um, uh, uh, kindly, tenderly, with as much grace as possible. Yeah, I I guess it's probably worth sharing that aspect for sure. I, I had told my partner... Um, so I, I came basically my, my process was 
it, it pushed from the subconscious to the conscious. And I did a lot of talking with a few friends about it. Like, guys, I really think that this is the direction that I'm going. And I, I sort of practiced with them a little bit. And my friends were supportive in the sense of, okay, you've left no stone unturned. You've, you've really tried everything. So if you feel that you can't do it, then we, we support you. Um, and I sort of realized I feel I can't do it and I feel I can't be my best self or my happiest self. So I broke it to Joanna um, in January and I basically said, I feel done this, this time, this is the real one. I, 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 I know that I'm done. And I, I, it's, there's really nothing that you can say to change my mind. Cause we had had some of these discussions over the years that were essentially false starts or maybe if I look at it now, it was practicing. Um, but by this point I, I felt determined and sure um, and it's kind of like, you know, I remember our first conversation, Karen, when I called you and, and I kind of was like, okay, I, I need help. I, I need a divorce coach. And I think the beginning part of our conversation was like, are you sure? <laughs> Have you tried everything? Is this salvageable in any way? And I felt very confident that I could say it is not salvageable for me. I am definitely, I know I am over the line. So by the time I broke it to Joanna, I had that confidence because I had tried before and then tiptoed back into the yes. <laughs> past the line, right? Yes. So, um, and I think she, you know, understandably was, was very upset and, and I was conscious and I think this is something that you had really taught me that the person who is doing the leaving is further ahead in their mind from the one that is just getting the news broken to them. And I felt like I wanted to give her time to catch up. And in a way, you know, like I said, I, I had been letting this steep and brew in my mind for a long time, really for years. And so when I told her, we then spent, and this is really not an exaggeration, 10 months sleeping next to each other in the same bed, knowing we are going to separate. But it gave us the time to talk it through in every way. Um, some of the things that we talked about were, well, in, I guess... Let me back up. In the beginning, you know, her response was essentially, no, uh, let's fix this. Let's change this. I can do better. You can do better. We can right. do better. And, you know, I had to kind of push through that. And then at a certain point, I think she was going through an anger phase. And it's funny because literally when we're talking about this for so many days, nights, weeks, months, you know, I really watched a lot of these phases happen before my eyes. But there was definitely a very angry phase. And at one point she sort of 
said to me, and maybe she was testing me in some way, but, you know, I'm not going to be nice to you. I'm, I'm going to make this hard for you. You know, it was sort of like one of these, like, Hail Marys that she was throwing at me. And, and I sort of said to her, you know what? That's okay. It's your choice. I, I am always going to take the high road. I am always going to be nice. I want to be friendly. I want to be amicable co-parents. How you act is up to you, but I am not going to let this devolve into anger for me. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, I think, you know, she kind of was looking at me like, what are you talking about? Like, come on, like, let's have a fight. Let's go. And I was like, I I don't, I don't want to, it's not good for me, for you or for the children. And, and then, you know, I think we also spent a lot of time discussing, well, after, and here I'm zooming ahead through a big part of the process, but after she eventually, in her mind, she, you know, uses the word, I capitulated. Whereas Mm -hmm. I I think somebody like a divorce coach, like you might say, well, it's not her choice to capitulate, right? You're doing this for you. And she has no choice but to respond. But I I sort of felt like, um, you know, let's, let's kind of get her as on board as we can before any big moves are made. And Sort of, it was around maybe July or August where I think she finally was like, okay, like I'm not going to ar- really argue my side of this anymore. It's very clear to me that, that this is how we're proceeding. So let's figure out, or I, we, we started talking about it in June. Let's figure out when we can tell the children in a way that's not going to impact, that will impact them the least. And that's really, you know, what you're describing. And really, you did it with such graces, allowing her to go through the grieving process and touch acceptance. And acceptance is a journey unto itself. But (laughs) the minute that, or after one or two or three times where someone's like, okay, I guess this is happening, they've at least touched acceptance and you can begin to move forward now. Whereas, Prior to that, um, there's a lot of heels dug in and a lot of um, chaos and conflict. So mm. your waiting, your honoring her grieving process was really brilliant. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, a touching acceptance. I like that phrase. And and yeah, I, I saw that happen with another friend of mine that went through this process where one of them broke a, a leg or an arm or something. And it was right after they had discussed, yeah, fine, we're splitting and, and, and I'm moving out or something. And then they couldn't because there was like a broken arm or a broken leg and it, it forced them through this process. And the other partner at that point learned had started to begin to touch the acceptance. And I think that set them off on a good note. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so one, when, let's see so we we discussed you know when is the best time to tell the children and we were like okay well we can't do it near a birthday we certainly can't do it near christmas we can't do it when mm-hmm. one of our children starts a new school we can't do it you know so we sort of thought about all the milestones and we didn't want to put this on top of any important milestone for the children so we we sort of ended up with mid-October is good. It's, it's before Halloween. It's going to be related to Halloween, but Halloween's definitely going to be a fun, candy-filled activity that can give them some joy. Right. And uh, it's not near the start of school. And so that's what we decided upon, and, and that is what we stuck to. Uh, and so that, I, think, I think that was a good choice that we made. 
And um, your uh, approach to telling the children, too, was equally as um, thoughtful and conscious, if you could share a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so it's definitely the worst part. <laughs> and when I say the worst part, I mean in general, right? You've already broken it to your partner, and now you have to sit down with your partner or maybe without, but it, we did it. We decided we would definitely do it together. And you know that you are about to break two little hearts or yes. three or one or four, or maybe they're, you know, I, ideally they'd be too young, I guess, in a weird way to understand, but that wasn't the case for mine. Um, uh, my kids at the time were, what was it? They were in grade school, weren't they? Yes, seven and 11, Mm. essentially. So um, I I was reading a bunch of books, really, how to, something about how to talk to your kids about divorce or something like that. And I read a couple of them and they make suggestions on language to use and they um, remind, they, they, they had some really helpful tips. So rather than memorize and flub lines and let things go haywire in the moment. And I decided I'm going to make a little, I call it a book, but it was essentially like a PowerPoint um, that I could read to the children Mm-hmm. And I, it, it allowed me to put a tiny bit of control around the language. And so I clipped a bunch of pictures. You know, I sort of started the book by saying, um, you know, when, when you guys were born, it was the happiest days of our lives. And, you know, I had pictures of their births and stuff and, and really, I think I might have called it something like the form of our family is changing. And I think that's the way that, mm-hmm. that, that I had, you know, read and learned that we're still a family. We're just a family in two separate houses and we'll still support your needs. We're just going to, it's going to, we're going to try to make, get all your needs met. It's just going to happen in a slightly different way. And, you know, it will never change our love for you. And um, it it allowed, so we, I put in there, you know, because I think at that point, Joanna and I knew that she was going to be the one to move out. And we, and I, that's right, this really played into the timing. We made sure that she had a new place she had the time to get it set up and get it ready for them. But she also left some blank spaces so that they could put some of their own touches into the house. So we were able, she could sort of say, hey, you can pick your bedding or you could. Um, So we were able to say, you know, mama will be moving out and, you know, this is about, we, we had the shape of it sort of planned. This is, we're going to have 50-50 custody. 
this is what custody means. And uh, so it's it still, you know, it, it w- was heartbreaking. It's, it's still, I think they've both kids have kept the book kind of around and I've seen them glance at it sometimes. And, mm. and I feel okay about that. I feel like the messages are still completely accurate. They all were authentic, love-filled messages, no lies, nothing deceptive. Your life's going to be amazing. You know, it's like, this will be hard, but we're here for you. We're here to support you. And, um, and so I think that ended up being useful, especially because since Joanna sort of, well, she did agree that she capitulated and everything, she's not really super happy about it. (laughs) So to have the conversation like, Hey kids, we are separating into two houses. I think it was useful for her to be able to have a narrative that she could also latch onto because she was feeling equally devastated as the children at the time, I think. So, yeah. 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 I I think that using, creating that tool, um, was just brilliant, uh, really giving Joanna um, a guide, giving yourself a guide so that you really stayed on point and, and then something tangible that your children even have now. And that is, it's the, I, I, I'm, I think it's 18 years ago for me and I remember <laughs> it like it was yesterday and, and I could tear up about it, thinking about their response and their reaction and it's just such a, tender, hard piece. And so um, you guys really did a beautiful job. And, and, and how, how in, just in general, um, how, how do you feel that impacted the children's ability to transition? Well, I, I guess I'll never, I'll never know um, in a certain sense how it, but like, I can tell you that some of the things that I made sure to include, like this separation is something that grown-ups do. It's nothing that has anything. You could not change it. You could not cause this, you know, those messages, I think hopefully have helped the transition in the long term. It's sort of like, and that, you know, sort of, again, like, curating this so carefully hopefully did help their transition. However, it's, it's, it's really, it's not, it hasn't, it's been, let's see, I want to say it hasn't been easy. On the other hand, they seem to be well-adjusted children. (laughs) But there has been certainly pain and heartache through the process. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's bound to be some, it's just such a, it's such a big transition for us adults. It's, it's a huge thing for children. And yet, um, as all of the expert child experts say, the more um, love and, and grace and partnership that you do this with, the better off the children will be in it. And, and you guys really, you know, did a, a really uh, stellar job at that. <laughs> well, I think I, I think I learned this, this one aspect I, I believe I learned from you. And really I was so 
I was a sponge when I was ready to undertake this process. So it was like absorbing information from a million different places. But I believe this is something that you told me, or I might have even heard it in your podcast, actually, that it's it's the fighting that hurts the children the most, more so than the separation. And I really took that one as law for me. Like, they, they will not see us fight ever. And a part of that was this the same message that I told Joanna back in the beginning like I'm always going to take the high road and in my mind it takes two to tango it takes two to fight and and I won't do it and I'm I'm going to always be respectful and kind and as loving as I can and if I can't be I be I will do my best to sort of be silent or kind of exit (laughs) because it's that that to me was critical yeah, and that's really, you know, that that's um, having healthy boundaries too, both for yourself, right, and for whatever the experience is going to be. Calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy-to-digest guide with five essential tips – that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. You know, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit with every client that we work with. There are things that we each bring to the relationship that's part of the problem um, that causes the dissolution, right? It's often patterns of being in intimate relationship. Can you share a little bit about um, some of the areas where you felt you really grew through your process? Mm, That's a good question. Um, Let me see if I understand the question. Basically, would it be fair to say that in, in during the course of my marriage, I probably uh, f- acted a certain way or fell into certain patterns or accessed certain parts of my personality in a certain way. And then, then there was this period of divorce and change and separation. And then uh, f- what, what sort of happened during that process? And now that I'm on the other side of it, sort of how I feel like I may have have changed or grown? Is that the question? Yeah. I mean, typically we we notice behaviors that don't serve us in intimate relationship. And through the course of our um, coaching process, clients uh, drop what doesn't work, pick up mm, some new um, I see. ways of being. And sure. that, that always informs how um, successful relationships going forward would be. Okay. That's, that's, I get it. Okay. Um, my, you know, it's, this is a harsh word, but I'm, I'm good with it. Character defect, (laughs) (laughs) if you will, is, um, I'm really prone to codependency. I, um, I, I enable, I, I give over 
so much of myself at the end of the day. I'm like, uh, hello, where are you? I don't know. I gave it away, you know? Um, and I think that was a pattern, an unhealthy pattern in the marriage, which was, uh, me really, uh, choosing somebody else's needs over my own. And I, struggled so hard with this with you I remember on in our sessions too feeling selfish you know and and I remember you saying something along the lines of this is not what you're you're not doing divorce to Joanna you're doing it for yourself and you know even today I still could say, no, I did it to her, (laughs) you know, because that is something that I, I actively even still struggle a bit with is, is codependency and, and not wanting to hurt people and, and wanting to put myself out to spare their feelings and stuff. And now that Joanna and I are on the other side and we, we are very, I don't know if I said this yet, but it worked really well, all these things. We are very amicable. We are very cooperative together and we do a great job co-parenting. And so, yes, there has been growth, um, but that is still a bit of something I struggle with, which is like, I, I have to work. I literally have to work to try not to take care of her needs from a separate house. And so I'm, you know, I heard the expression once, so in marriage, so in divorce. Mm. <laughs> and it's, it, and I appreciate your question, like, how have you grown and how have you shifted and changed? And I'm kind of saying, incrementally, <laughs> a little, <laughs> because I, I feel it's a, it is a struggle. I mean, you don't change overnight. And the good news is that I have, you know, found a, a, a new partner who can, one, appreciate my independence because I, I think, okay, here, yes, this is, let me explain a part of this codependent slash independent thing that mm. I struggle with. I had put away, put in a box a lot of parts of myself in my marriage because they didn't suit my partner very well my wife. And so when I was going through the process of the divorce, I started to unpack these certain things about myself that I missed, that I loved, that I needed. And I wrote in my journal, like, okay, these are the non-negotiables for my next relationship. I need independence. I need to be able to do the things that are important to me that I love that feed me, you know, and I I had a big list of them actually. And I have found somebody who does respect all the parts of me and the independence and wants me to be my own person. um, Who's not really always attending to her needs. And that's been a way that I have been able to learn and practice the 
leaving of codependency behind. But I have these bad habits from a 17-year relationship with a person who I actively communicate with every day, mostly about the children, really 95% of it about the children. But those bad habits sometimes linger, and it is something that I am definitely actively working on. Well, that was really beautifully said. I think that one of the resistances that our clients have coming on and talking is this feeling like they're supposed to have arrived at like full healing, health, mm-hmm. and perfection. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, we're all in trouble. If that's, if that's the bar, we're all in trouble. Um, and so I'm hearing that you noticed and worked on your codependent behavior, your enabling behavior through through the divorce process that you, and when we do that, we typically meet somebody that's healthier for us, right, in the next mm-hmm. relationship. And yet you have, it's almost like a rut in the road, right? So it's like with Joanna, you've had this way of behaving and so you mm-hmm. can slip more easily mm-hmm. into codependent behavior with someone who you did it for 17 years with. Mm-hmm. And what's great is to look at it more as, um, you know, I've, I've cleaned the room, but there's still residue on the walls. Like there's still a few layers that have to be worked on mm-hmm. um, as opposed to I still am or I'm not because it's really the gray in between. And, and that's what I'm hearing you say is that mm-hmm. you're, you're in between, that you're on your way and mm-hmm. yet there's still some work to be done. I recognize, I recognize the patterns. I may have a, have a quick instinct um, to like a, a text that's, let's say, maybe outside of the boundaries of what an ex-wife should be asked or something. And my, like, I'm trying to say, teach a man to fish. Well, in this case, a woman, teach a woman to fish. Like, you know, what, what time is the (laughs) tonight parent, teacher, whatever. And I could say 6 PM, but I, I'm trying to teach myself to either not respond or say I, you were on the email as well so that I'm not always the go-to person for every answer. Uh, and so, which continues a pattern. So, but it's hard. I feel like a jerk. The easy answer, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. See you there. Have fun. You know, yeah. do you want coffee or bring me coffee or whatever, you know? <laughs> right. Because you're so friendly. And yet it's interesting because it's a it's a boundary. It's it's kind of uh, stating and with kindness, but that um, that that's not my job anymore. Right. Right. And so so we're independent in those ways. If you call and the child is sick, of course, you know, that's a very different thing. And yeah, so thank you so much for sharing that. So you've you've made some real progress and yet you still see places where um where you can continue to work on it. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. And uh is there anything else that really stands out for you in the process of divorce or even in the experience of coaching that you would like to share with our listeners? Um there's so much, really. I think that it's, if I, 
recognize that, you know, fear was the thing that was holding me back. Um, being on the other side of it now, you know, I have had so, I, I have arrived so much quicker than I thought I would at a place of, um, contentment or, um, well, I, I am, I do feel extremely happy, but I mean it in terms of really the proof is in the pudding that this was the right decision for me. Um, it's been, it's been very gratifying because I feel like I took so much time and thought with the decision and so much time and thought and care with how it was done that when I'm on the other side of it, it's like, uh, it, it, it's good. It's actually like we're friends and, and we did it. And I even, I got an email from my ex the other day saying, Hey, you know, I just was hiking with a friend and she was telling me about her divorce and man, we did a really good job. And I really appreciate you for your kindness and your respect. And I really appreciate our co-parenting and, and, and I wrote back the same. Like I'm really grateful that for you and for how you're able to be so cooperative with me about this as well. And I mean, we. What's funny is that Joanna and I had a experience when we were first dating that has carried us through years and years of marriage and now friendship. Right, which is that. We went to a New Year's Eve party, um, and there was only like four, maybe five people there total, and the party was terrible. It just stunk, right? And at one point, we looked at our, each other, and we, we said, you know, because we had maybe like gone in the bathroom and like, this party sucks or something, and, and, and we said, wait, we are two-fifths of this party, and I think maybe even the fifth person might have even left. We might have been half the party at that point. And we're like, how can we say this party sucks when we're half the party? Let's go. Let's make this good. And we did, right? We, we, we took it over. We, like, let, we weren't the host, but we were like, let's make this thing fun. So I think that has served us so well because like, in this process, we are the entire party. There is no one else. And we, and we talked about that in these very, these many, many months of processing this. Like, this is, we are in control of how we make this. We either are going to let other people get involved, arbitrate in stupid ways that don't make any sense at all. Judges decide things or we decide. And not only do we decide things, but we decide how we are with each other. And that is going to benefit us and the children because we are 100% of this party. And I think that has really, really served us. And we both remember that because even if there's behavior that, you know, at one point where, oh, we could devolve down a road of fighting or something, it both of us really 
remember and and kind of look at each other and say to each other like eh, high road you know like w- w- let's do this let's let's just continue to keep this on the up and up and that's been a very important process for us yeah now that's beautiful and the one thing i'm hearing through all of your stories is this um lack of judgment right and judgment causes conflict and we start tossing criticism at each other and i'm just hearing that you both manage to not that you don't have opinions about each other but that you manage to um take the high road keep the judgment at a bare minimum and that that really allowed for a smooth as smooth a transition as a divorce transition can be yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel judgment. It's like I recognize that I'm a flawed human being, and she's a flawed human being, and we're all trying to do our best and be our best selves. And sometimes we we suck, and sometimes we fall down. And and actually, you know, Joanna and I have had this this case where, you know, I think. I'm a huge proponent of the child's bill of rights, which is something that you turned me on to. Um, And one day there was something that happened between Joanna and I, maybe in the last year or so, where I felt like her behavior was involving the children too much in something that was an adult conversation about, you know, sticky adult stuff mm-hmm. and um i i in the time i kept my mouth shut because we always agree that we're a united front and but i was watching her do some behavior that i didn't exactly agree with and then i kind of went home i sat on it for a second the, the children were at her house at this time and i sent an email saying you know i just want to remind you of the child's bill of rights and by, you know, you sharing these very adult things about whatever it was at the time isn't good for their own best interest. Mm. And she wrote me back, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm sorry. I I wasn't my best self in that moment. And you got to cut me some slack. And And I was like, yeah, okay. Slack cut, but let's just try not to do that again, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. That's great. So, you know, you said something earlier. So oftentimes we get people who are voracious readers and podcasters and who are just absorbing all of this information to really try to navigate this this transition with um as much awareness and knowledge as possible. Can you just share with our listeners before we wrap up, what what did the coaching bring to the table for you when you had already been absorbing so much and reading so much? Like, how did that impact the process for you? Yeah, um, that's a really great question. Uh, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Plain and simple, I did not know what to do. So I knew what I wanted to do, uh, but I didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And 
when you and I first spoke, you helped. So first, you know, like I said, you kind of clarified, are you sure this is what you want? And then when, when I think when you were clear in your mind that, that I don't feel like this is salvageable, you were like, okay, here's the roadmap. Here's how we start. Here's what you need to do. Here are the things that you need to figure out. And I had done a lot of talk therapy in my life. And this was, this was the first coaching experience I had. And I was like, oh, coaching is doing, therapy is talking, coaching is doing. <laughs> like, oh, so, because we'd have these sessions and you'd be like, okay, so you need to go figure out this, that, and that. Like, I think we looked at this financial piece, we looked at all these logistical things. And you sent me, you know, referrals for certain types of people, whether it was financial planners or this, that, and the other. And um, each time we talked, it was, a logistical do sort of move for gear rotation, if you will. And I, it sort of was like, click, click, click. You just helped really. And, and I felt good about you in particular, because I was like, this is a woman who has seen this hundreds of times. Right. So I'm getting experience. I'm I'm getting wisdom from a human being that sees this as a process that she understands, whereas having never been through it before, it was a completely murky, cloudy, confusing yes. pit of mud. <laughs> and so you were like, okay, here's what you do. First, you, you know, you do this and do that. And so I I think I felt very it I guess scaffolding. No, it's more than scaffolding, actually. You laid a path for me. And, you know, that, like, we ended up, I think we talked about lawyers versus mediators. And every time we would talk, you know, I basically would then go back to Joanna and say, okay, Joe, you know, I think we should get a, a mediator, not a lawyer. Like, I think this, that, and the other, and and kind of would have the ability to sort of talk it through mm-hmm. because, you know, we did we weren't high conflict. We did have the ability to have these conversations. So it it having you sort of essentially pave the path for us um, and ask the questions, right? Are you you're you're not you're both helping pave the path, but you're also, we're setting the direction of the path, but based on your experience. And that was very, very, that was critical. In fact, when my friends call me up and they're like, and people do, you know, I get calls all the time, like, oh, you, you guys had a really successful divorce, you know, how'd you do it? (laughs) And and I'm kind of like, well, you might want to call a divorce coach because it's such a helpful, it is, for me, it was the thing that made the process sane, I guess Mm. is the best way to say it. And not only sane, but um, I felt like I was in good hands in terms of like, I'm not going to accidentally throw a Molotov cocktail that's going to explode. And I'm like, oops, I didn't mean to throw that. It, it, It just, it gave me some safety, I guess, in the process. Beautiful. Yeah. I, you know, I often refer to entering divorce as kind of being drop shipped into a country that you've never been in without a map or a translator. And, yeah. and the hope is that the coaching helps you find 
your unique way through with our uh, our knowledge about um, the various pieces that are really helpful to pick up along the way. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And 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 rather than making the wrong decision because out, out of just sheer ignorance by you know by default it, this this was really really a critical the critical piece for me I thought beautiful before we wrap up do you have some um, words of wisdom and encouragement that you can leave our listeners with. <clears throat> yeah. Um I I would say that there is no world that divorce isn't hard. It is hard. Um <laughs> and and what's funny is that before I did this, while I was thinking about it, and I'm digressing from my advice, but I'll get back there, is this dad at a, a school party that I was at turned to me and said, huh, you think marriage is hard? Try divorce. It's so much worse. And I was like, eee, like that's bad. Because I was really right on the cusp of, of telling Joanna, I think, when I had this conversation with this dad. And um, it... It, that was like a warning light for don't go down that road. Cause I, I sort of asked him like briefly, cause I barely knew the guy, like, what do you mean? And he was basically like, if you think communication was bad in marriage, it's worse in divorce. If you think, you know, there's, there's no shred of, of generosity and friendliness, which got us through. And he just like really railed against the, the whole process of divorce. And, and it, and it was that, I think it was one of those moments for me where I uh, said to myself, again, like, I'm in control of this, mm-hmm. and I'm one of two, and I'm going to convince Joanna that we're two of two to make this better than marriage, not worse than marriage. And I, I can tell you, I am 100% there. For me, being on the other side is so much better. Um, I feel more myself, more happy, more well-adjusted. My kids see it. They say to me, you know, mommy, you're so happy. And um, we, we, I sort of talk to them about how I enjoy life and experiences and stuff like that. And I don't know, I'm not a hundred percent sure that Joanna would say that she's happier, but I can guarantee you she'd say that life is more, uh, I think she would say, I'd be curious. I I don't want to ask her, but you know, is it, it probably feels more functional Mm -hmm. and healthier. And I, one thing now we're going back to advice or whatever. One thing that I felt was really important to my process when I was deciding this in my head before I broke the news to Joanna, I said to myself, if, and I think I had learned this from a couple's therapist, like if you, the adults in the family, 
pretend that you're happy because you want the children to have this nuclear family and this quote, quote, happy family, but you're really miserable, but you're pretending that you're happy and you think you're doing it for the children. The result is that you are going to help. They're going to misalign or miscalibrate their understanding of what happiness is. Mm -hmm. Well, my parents say they're happy, Boy, they sure don't look happy. It sure doesn't feel happy, but maybe that is what happiness feels like. And I was like, eek! Like, I do not want the internal calibration of happy and healthy to be completely misaligned. And when this couples therapist said that to us, because I think we were talking about what we were, we were there specifically, I think, talking about separating, I, it really, struck me so hard like the best gift I can give my children is the gift of authenticity and honesty around my emotional experience in life because they are witnessing it every single day and that I do believe has been a true reality yeah I got lost on the advice part, yeah. didn't I, Karen? <laughs> no, no, that was that was so good because I think the key here, I always talk about paying it forward to your children, and the key is um, how we experience intimate relationship informs who we end up with in intimate relationship. And so when you stay together for the kids in an unhealthy relationship, then that's their experience of love and they're going to go out and find it. And oftentimes working through your issues through divorce um, and then and then being that healthier voice for your children allows for a breaking of generational chains and a changing of um, how one uh, engages an intimate relationship in a healthier way. So I, I think that what you said is, is just point on. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is true, the generational chains and whatnot, because, you know, if we think about our parents and the households that we grew up in and what our role models for this looks like, um, yeah. I would say some people have good ones and some people have awful ones. And so I think in the case of my ex, you know, her family of origin didn't didn't show her a good example of of what really a healthy marriage could look like. And I am blessed in the sense that my parents have been married 50 years and I did have a picture of what a healthy relationship could look like. And I have to say that was helpful for me because I sort of did know in the end what I was driving for. Mm. And I also think that maybe in the beginning, Joanna used to think, oh, your parents have a bad relationship. They go on separate vacations because, you know, he likes to like go to Iceland and take photos. And my mom's like, yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> but actually what it is, is a true acceptance and independence. And you guys do what makes you happy. And then when they come back together, they're thrilled, you know, 
um, which is something that I really do strive for in my future life. And I think I'm getting it as, you know, in my current life with my new partner. So it's definitely um, one of those, the generational chains, I think, is, is, a, is a really hard thing to, to put behind you. But I think with the uh, ability to be reflective about where you are in your current life and how it's been impacted by your family of origin, I think even just noticing it seems to help move that dial forward. Absolutely. Um, Awareness, if you're nothing other than aware and conscious, um, shifts happen. And, you know, I just want to thank you so much for being so vulnerable, for sharing your story, for um, giving us that time. And, uh, And I know it's going to help people who are in those early stages and really in that mucky, muddy water and unsure <laughs> of, of what's ahead. I think that that's one of the most uncomfortable places to be in that uncertainty. So thank you so much, yeah, uh, Veronica, I mean, for sharing. I, I do. I will say that, like, visualizing the the world of the future, either fantasizing or, you know, just kind of looking ahead to, hey, you know, maybe in a year or two from now, I can, you know, be acting like this, doing this with this type of person. That is helpful because that's that's kind of instilling hope, but also kind of giving you something to shoot for. And I think inadvertently I did that through journaling. Yeah. And then I feel like I actualized a perfect partner for me because I was very clear with myself about what my next partner needs to really the the type of person they really need to be for me to be happy. And so there is, there is, when you're on the other side of it, it can be glorious. It's, it, it absolutely can be. And so in, in that way, I think I, I hope I can encourage people to not let fear hold you back because the fear is not the the healthy thing that should be determining your future. Yeah. And I think what you said, uh, most people look forward with fear. And so it's what if I'm alone and what if I'm poor and what if, and all of these negative things. And so what Veronica is inviting you into as you're listening is to change your what ifs and what, and Mm -hmm. what does that look like? What, what is it that you desire your future to look like and, and get granular and get specific and you will simply in doing that exercise begin to manifest it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Veronica, thank you so much for your time. This was just wonderful. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing. Yeah, it's my great pleasure, and and I I'm so appreciative for everything that you helped me with and everything that you gave me. So I'm very very happy to 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 pay it forward. So thank you, thank you, and stay tuned for the next episode of Voices of Celebration. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. 
If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.